0: I'm very glad to be back here uh, in the pulpit this morning. I have missed being here. Uh, And we are jumping back a little bit to complete the last piece of our January sermon series. That sermon series, is four parts, would have ended in January had it not snowed. Uh, And it's about just reaffirming our vision to be a lighthouse for Christ here at the corner of Clipper and Mariner. It's about how we lean into our year-long emphasis of living that vision, of being a lighthouse individually and as a church. But I am very grateful for the snow, because the message that I want to share this morning is very different from what it would have been three weeks ago uh, had I been able to deliver it then. But again, to emphasize, this is just about how we live this third piece of our vision as a church, to be a lighthouse for Christ. How we live as the lighthouse. Because each of us, as you saw in the video at the beginning with Nikki and family, right, we are each called to shine our light before others, that through seeing our good deeds, they glorify God. is part the focus, really, of our scripture memorization emphasis for the year. So that was the, the January winner, if you will, of uh, helping us memorize uh, that, internalize that scripture. We're each called to be the lighthouse. We're each called to shine our light. Uh, and what I would want to encourage you is, if you are fairly new to Lakeridge Baptist Church, maybe you've only been here a few weeks or, or a few months or... Perhaps it's been longer, but you don't feel really know how to to shine your light, right? You don't really know what it means to be a lighthouse. You're not feeling well connected with the church. I want to point you to something we are doing next Sunday, immediately after church. It's in your bulletin called Discover LRBC. Discover LRBC is an opportunity to sit down over lunch with the pastors, talk about our church, talk about uh, our vision, talk about... Uh, ways to get connected with others in the church, ways to get plugged in and shine the light. Of course, obviously, I will encourage becoming a member of the church, but that is not mandatory. But that said, Paul says some very good things in 1 Corinthians 12 about church membership. Uh, so I would like to encourage you that. There's information on how to register, so we have enough food for you. I say this not in the vein of a public service announcement, but because it's really important to me that we find ways, each of us, to get connected and to shine our light. This is going to be a sustained year-long emphasis, and we will have different ways to help you get connected, but this is a great way to do it. So this is the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. I was there about a week and a half ago. This wall supported the platform upon which God's temple once sat 2,000 years ago. And because it is the closest accessible point to where the Holy of Holies once sat, this wall has become a focal point for Jewish prayer. They believe that God's presence dwells there. And so faithful Jews come here to pray, they read scripture, and then they will write prayer requests on paper that they slide between the enormous stones. If you look closely at the picture on the right, you can see there sort of looks like a white lining between the stones. That's actually paper with prayers. And just above this spot, the Muslim call to prayer erupts over the city of Jerusalem five times a day. And these, of course, are mandatory ritual prayers that are one of the five pillars of Islam that are believed to improve their their chances of getting into heaven, a heaven that is governed by a fierce and sometimes arbitrary God. And as I stood there watching these devout Jews pray, as I stood there listening to the call for Muslims to pray, the the glorious truth that kind of just overwhelmed me was that we have the very best good news in the whole world. Right, Through faith in the Christ who died and rose from the dead, through faith in Him, our sins are forgiven, our guilt and our shame are washed away. God's Spirit lives within us at all times, and His forgiveness is always available to us, and His acceptance and His love are guaranteed in blood. The profound beauty of this good news is that we don't have to make a pilgrimage to a a distant land to experience God's presence. Because He is always present with us. We have become the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? This is the truth that we have. This is the good news we have. We, We don't have to pray at specific times of day or in specific ways because our Father in heaven is always always welcoming us into his throne room, inviting us to share with him whatever is on our hearts. This is incredibly good news. And we have to, you know, we look around, right? We live in a world of darkness and and suffering and loneliness and isolation. We, We see so many people struggling to find meaning and purpose for their lives and And we see people who are literally willing to try just about anything they can to experience something, anything that is real and ultimate and authentic. And we as followers of Jesus Christ have the answer to all of these things in Him, in Christ Jesus. This is the greatest and most important good news in the world. And people desperately, desperately need To hear it. And I was forced to ask myself, have I lived my life that way? Right? Am I leading this church in light of that truth? Right? Is the proclamation of the good news to the lost really the highest and most urgent priority of my heart and my ministry? And I had to confess, sadly, it has not been. And that has to change. Because God came to seek and save the lost. Jesus explicitly said He came to seek and save the lost. And so the question is, are we? Are we seeking and saving the lost? We must urgently, desperately, consistently, and sacrificially be reaching out. Our our vision as a church is to be a lighthouse for Christ at the corner of Clipper and Mariner. And a lighthouse shines outward. Lakeridge Baptist Church must be reaching out more and more with each passing month, more and more with each passing year because of the urgency and the importance of this good news that we have been entrusted with. And I, I want to emphasize that phrase. If you were to look through the writings of Paul, he uses that phrase a lot, that we have been entrusted with the gospel. It's not just that we've been told the gospel for our benefit. We have been entrusted with it to take it out and share it. We've been entrusted with the gospel so that we can reach out with the good news of Jesus Christ. But what does it look like to be reaching out? And I think one of the very best explanations of it and pictures of it is found in 1 Peter 3, verses 13-17. through Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Now, the mission of the church for 2,000 years is what is commonly referred to as the Great Commission. The Great Commission, this is the final words of Jesus to his disciples found in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Making disciples of Jesus Christ must be our essential and defining task as a church, nothing else, right? This is why God planted this church right here at this corner, at the intersection of at least three distinct, wildly different neighborhoods, It is why He continues to bless this church. It is why He continues to move here because we have work to do. Reaching people must be a huge part of everything we do. We must be relentlessly multiplying our efforts to reach the lost year after year because that is the desire and command of Jesus Christ. We need to be reaching out as many ways as we can, as often as we can, because there are so many around us, so many around us, who simply do not know the good news of Jesus Christ. But we should be aware that God has an opinion about how we should reach out. 1 Peter 3 gives us tremendous insight into how reaching out should look today in Lake Ridge, Virginia. And so there are three aspects of reaching out that I want to explore this morning as we unpack the meaning of this passage. I want to look at our message, our form, and our reward. Our message is hope. The key verse in this passage is verse 15, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. As Christians, we have a sure and steady hope amidst a dark, hurting, and hopeless world. And let me assure you, that's powerful. Right, there is so much darkness and despair everywhere we look. Right, Whether you, Wherever you get your news from, I don't care where you get your news from, I guarantee it is full of the evils of the world. Human trafficking, terrorism, genocide, crime, poverty, racism, injustice, disease, loneliness, grief, the list goes on and on. Right, Whatever your news source, there is plenty of darkness. Hope is elusive out there. People are desperately longing for it. And as Christ's followers, we have the ultimate perfect hope. Biblically, hope describes a confident expectation of something that is to come. And so we have a confident expectation of a very, very bright future. We have hope, but what is that hope? That hope is the gospel, the good news. Now what do I mean by that? The gospel is the good news. That even though we live in a very broken and sinful world, and even though we ourselves are broken and sinful people, though we have rebelled against God's desire and will for our lives from birth, God still loves us powerfully anyway. God desires to heal and transform us, to bring us into eternal relationship with Him, a relationship of love and joy and reconciliation and peace. And the bad news is that we can't ever be good enough to achieve this on our own. We can't ever be moral enough. We can't ever be holy enough. We can't ever be disciplined enough. We can't ever be perfect enough to enter into that relationship with God. But because of his glorious nature, his goodness, his amazing mercy and grace and love, despite all of our messes and mistakes and sins and shortcomings, he still shows us a mercy we don't deserve and offers grace that we cannot earn through faith in Jesus Christ. Because of his love, God... God's mercy and His grace. He sent His eternal Son, His perfect Son, Jesus, into this world as a baby to take on a human body and a a human nature to live the perfect life that we can't. To work the miracles that proved that He was truly the Son of God to teach and proclaim the arrival of God's kingdom here on earth and then to die on a cross as an innocent sacrifice of blood to pay the debt of sin that we have each accumulated Throughout our lives. This is the good news. But that's not all the good news, right? Because God's power and love doesn't stop there. Because Jesus rose from the dead. He was fully alive. The tomb, wherever the tomb was. There's two places that are contested in Jerusalem. Wherever the tomb was, it's empty. So it doesn't matter where the tomb was. All who put their faith in him will likewise rise. We will rise from spiritual death, our sins forgiven, right? Our our guilt erased, our shame washed away. Through Christ we receive a new heart, a new identity as the beloved sons and daughters of God. We receive his spirit into our lives. We enjoy his presence 24-7-365. We, we receive confidence, moreover, of, of physical resurrection as well, that we will rise from the dead and spend an eternal future in God's presence after we die. But also we have his power so that we can live a transformed life of meaning and hope and increasing Christ's likeness here on earth until we do die. This is our hope. This is that hope that Peter is talking about. And we need to live that hope Our emphasis for this entire year is to be the lighthouse, both individually and as one body of believers, right? that we are living our vision, that we are living Christ's mandates that you saw come to life at the beginning of the service to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Remember 1 Peter 3.15. Always being prepared to make a defense To anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Right? That's that transformed person that Joy was talking about. She was changed. Her mom noticed it. That's the hope. Verse 15 assumes people are going to notice us. It assumes about the way we live our lives and the way we shine our light, people are going to ask, How could you possibly have hope? Amidst a, this hopeless world in which we live, this discouraging and degrading and dehumanizing culture that we so often seem to be infected by. When you have hope in a hopeless situation, and you have joy amidst crushing sorrow, and you have peace when, when everything around you is literally falling apart, and you have a, a kindness amidst an unkind world, people are going to want to know your secret. When your light shines in a very dark world, doors open for spiritual conversations. And so we each need to ask ourselves, am I living like a person with hope? That's not an empty or rhetorical question. I want you to take a minute and really think about that. Are you living your life, and not just Sunday morning? Are you living Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday afternoon like you have hope? Think about that. If your answer is no, I want you to realize that if Christ is your Savior, you have a tremendous rock-solid hope that has been purchased and guaranteed by the blood of Jesus. You are a child of God. Whatever the rest of the world calls you, you are a child of God. You are forgiven. You are loved. And you will live forever in God's presence. So live that hope. Shine your light. Be the lighthouse. And if you're living your hope, or when you're living your hope, then what's the special reason? Like, what's your reason for having hope? Right, Peter says to always, every moment of every day, just be ready to explain your hope, to defend how you could possibly have hope amidst a complicated and sometimes messy life. So what is your reason? right? What resonates for you personally? What gives you hope? When the world is, is coming apart at the seams, You are struggling to get by, day by day, hour by hour. What is your hope? I want you to think about that question for just a moment. And then, once you know, I want you to turn and tell your neighbor the reason for your hope. I'm not kidding. No one goes to lunch until... I gotta say, this half is much better and much more engaged. I don't know this half over here. You gotta you need more hope. If you know why you have hope, you are ready to reach out. And so, I want to introduce four forms of reaching out. You'll notice the gold box at the bottom. That's from our five to thrive that we've talked about. There's a great bulletin board down in the, by the glass doors by the main entrance. Four forms of reaching out. Inviting, investing, conversing, and convincing. And these are four different ways of reaching out, right? There, there are four different forms of evangelism. It's not a stepwise tag. It's not a sequence uh, it's four different forms of evangelism, each of which is powerful, each of which is important in our post-Christian era. And here's the thing, right? You don't have to be able to do all four of them. You don't have to be comfortable with all four of them because they are each a kind of evangelism. And I am willing to bet that there is at least one or two of these that as I explain them, you'll say, yeah, I love doing that. I just didn't know it counted as evangelism. And those are the things where it's your gifting and your passion and your love. So lean into that. Press into that. Recognize it for what it is, that it is reaching out and live that. You see, I understand the word evangelism scares a lot of us. But we don't have to be afraid of it. And, and a lot of that fear right, comes from, I think, a, a vision we have that we that to be an evangelist means we need to memorize a script or a system that we can recite whenever we corner a stranger. And that is a kind of evangelism, right? And it's one that's going to be very appropriate in certain situations and places. but But in truth, I don't think it's terribly effective in North America in 2019 by itself. And I emphasize the by itself, because I think there is great value in knowing some system, some way to explain your faith, not with the goal of cornering people, but to make sure you can accurately explain the good news when somebody asks you the reason for your hope. And so you don't have to be able to recite it perfectly, but it can be a helpful framework for you to to just guide your explanation to people. There are a million systems, right? We've taught any three several times. It's a great way to reach people, particularly from a a storytelling kind of culture, right? An oral tradition that's based on telling some of the great stories of sacrifice in the Bible. Four spiritual laws. You can walk somebody through Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Most of you should know, if you, even if you don't realize it, at least one approach that's typically called the Roman's Road. Because I build it into at least one sermon every two to three months. So if you've been coming for a while, you will probably have heard it several times, and hopefully it will begin to absorb, right? What's that? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5, eight, but God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's it. Right? You don't have to memorize it, but you need to understand what God's word teaches about salvation, and that's one of many ways to, to remember that. Domestic evangelism is far broader than cornering somebody to recite a speech. There is at least one method of evangelism that should suit every person's gifts and skills. So let me explain these four forms of reaching out so you can consider which ones are best suited for you, and you can live that. The first is to invite now, biblically, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4 is a great example of an inviter. She went and told her neighbors, come and see. And it's really that simple. Come and see, right? Invite people you meet to things we're doing as a church. It helps if you're excited about them. And are planning to attend yourself. That could be inviting to special events, it could be home Bible studies, it could be worship services, it could be meals, or it could be seminars, right, where your enthusiasm and your your joy at coming is contagious. And I want everyone to invite as often as possible, but I also recognize some of you are great at inviting people. I mean, we we have some people who are wonderful inviters. And I've had some great success stories with that. And so, so we, of course, want to make it easy for everyone to be able to invite. And so we will keep providing periodic invitations for you to, to give away. And I've said before, but I'll continue to repeat, right? If you want to increase the impact of your invitation, offer to meet the person nearby beforehand so they don't have to walk into a strange building alone. That takes a lot of courage, but they can walk in alongside you. It's really simple, but inviting really is evangelism. It really is reaching out. Now, the second form, the one we've heard some stories, Mark's wonderful story there, is to invest in people's lives, which is about consistently shining your light through good deeds done in the name of Jesus Christ. It's about investing time in people's lives in order to know and love them. And by sharing Christ's love and very real and authentic, that's a key phrase. Philip talked about it last Sunday. In sustained ways, we will be invited to explain our hope and love. Investing is about being involved for the long haul. Many of you have received copies of the the Yellow Art of Neighboring book. If you don't have it, i got several in my office. You're welcome to come and help yourself. It's a very quick read. It explains this concept very well. It just emphasizes very simply getting to know, introduce, right, form relationships with, enjoy time with, and pray for your immediate neighbors. Investing is what our Love Our Neighbors activities are about. It's what our ESL ministry is about. It's what our Rockledge efforts are all about. To demonstrate the love of Christ, first and foremost, through actions and steady presence. As we stick with people through the the highs and the lows of life conversations will happen. We've heard stories about that, too. Many of you already love relational evangelism. You just didn't know to call it that. You thought it was just hanging out and doing good things for people who needed help. It is evangelism. Investing is the focus of verse 15, right? As people see us over time, they're, Compelled to ask, why would you do these things? What is this hope that you have? What is this strength that gets you through? And in a culture that is full of superficial relationships and and ghosting when things get messy, that's a term I had to learn relatively recently. Feel free to look it up. Ghosting when things get messy. Investing is powerful evangelism. Investing really is reaching out. The third form is conversing. This is about a willingness and a desire to have long and extended conversations about spiritual matters, perhaps over months and years. It requires tremendous patience, but I know some of you love it. It's one of the key methods we see Jesus using, because he will have a conversation and it will go to spiritual directions every time. This kind of conversation is not for everybody. I get it, but it's, you know, that's what the other methods are for. But for those who have that nearly unlimited appetite for spiritual conversations, I think of Bill Skiba here. Realize that conversing is evangelism, it is reaching out. And the fourth form is convincing, right? The approach that we maybe most associate with the Apostle Paul. And and I would say the genuine convincing flows out of these other three modes. That was the testimony Joy shared about how she led her mother to Christ. It began with her change, but when the conversation was open, she knew what to do to share the good news, to convince her mother. As we are diligent in inviting, as we are faithful in investing, as we're patient in conversing, God will open reluctant hearts and minds to the gospel. It will open them to that convincing as we share our hope. But again, let me repeat Peter's caveat from verses 15 and 16, that as we share, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. Amidst a harsh and disrespectful culture, we who have the absolute truth of God on our side, we should always be able to speak with gentleness and respect because we have a solid hope. Right, We don't have to make up for some doubts by being louder and and more shrill and unpleasant than the other person on the other side of the conversation. We know the truth and have the truth. We represent Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. So which of these forms are your best? Right, Are you more of an inviter or an investor? A converser or a convincer? Which speaks to your heart and your, your passion and your fire and your desire to share your hope? Right? Think about that. Realize that each of those is a valid form of evangelism when we have in mind what is our goal, Right to help connect the lost to Jesus Christ. So do that more and more, better and better. If you're an inviter, that means that in a couple of weeks when we start handing out invitations to come to Easter and the events of the week before Easter, take extra invitations because you love giving out invitations. If you're an investor... Right, It means be more intentional when you pray, asking God to introduce you to new unbelieving friends who would benefit from you walking alongside them and sharing the love of Christ. If you're a converser, pray for God to to spark unexpected conversations. And when it's time to convince, know the reason for your hope and pray for God's spirits to work as you gently and respectfully share the good news. And last, we come to our reward. The reward of reaching out is God's blessing. So the point that Peter makes is have no fear. God doesn't want us to be afraid of reaching out. Verses 14 and 15 say, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. In our minds, we might imagine tremendous risk, right? Risk to our relationships and our careers and our social status and our personal safety when we share the good news. But but let's face it, right? Right now that's not really the the broader environment we're in in the United States in 2019. It may happen there may be some risk, but most of the time we are just inflating that risk in our imaginations And the assurance Paul uh, Peter says is that when we are doing what he says, right when we are truly authentic in our walk with Jesus Christ, right so that our walk matches our talk now let's face it, that's where a lot of things go wrong. When our walk matches our talk, even those who disagree with us are usually not going to be hostile about it. That's the assurance of verse 13. Who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? And that's not a promise, right? He doesn't promise that bad things won't happen to us when we reach out. But what he's saying is that most of the time, people are going to respond kindly to someone who is genuinely on fire to do good things. And even when there's risk, though, he says, don't be afraid. And we don't need to be afraid. Why not? Because Jesus promised in Matthew twenty-eight twenty that as we are faithful in reaching out, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As we live our vision to be the lighthouse, know that Jesus will always be with us, even if everyone else is against us. And that is enough. We don't need to be troubled. We don't need to be freaking out about reaching out either, right? As we live a Great Commission life and we shine our light, God's Spirit will give us peace no matter how crazy things get around us. Peter says that when the holiness of Christ, when His goodness and His greatness and His strength and His power and His sacrifice and His resurrection, when these, these fill our hearts, our fears and our anxieties simply fade away. 1 John 4.18 promises there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You see, when we are full of the love of Jesus, we simply don't have the room left in our heart for a lot of fear. Peter promises God will bless our faithfulness in reaching out. Verse 14 promises, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. So the worst case is that God is inviting us to trade the comfort of this brief life for His eternal blessing. That's a good deal. Verse 15 makes clear that this deal is offered to every believer. Every single one of us is called to shine our light in such a way that people will ask us about our hope. Every single one of us is called to explain that hope. It is not just the job of professional Christians. It is the job of every Christian. Every single one of us is likewise invited to enjoy God's blessing as we reach out. Because reaching out is for all of us. So reach out, whether it is by inviting or investing, conversing or convincing, because it is God's will for you. Verse 17 reminds us that even if we should suffer for these efforts, it's worth it. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And so the question I will leave you to wrestle with in coming days is this. Are we organizing and operating this church and our lives for the benefit of the saved or for the salvation of the lost? Everything we do to welcome in and care for one another, everything we do to to build up people in Christ has to be oriented outward. Toward revealing and living and shining and showing and telling the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and broken world. We have the most important, the most urgent good news in the world. Are we living like we believe it? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, what an incredible reality you have! ushered us into that through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, we are able to be in relationship with you. We are able to have our guilt utterly blotted out from your record book. That our shame is completely washed away that you adopt us as sons and daughters, that you love us, that your spirit is within us, that you transform us throughout our lives, and when we die, you welcome us into your presence forever. Lord God, this is the most amazing good news. But Father, I must admit, I have not lived my life or led my ministry as if this were the most important good news of all. So Lord, I ask forgiveness for that. Lord, as we come together before you as a body, Lord, hear us now as we confess to you anything that has been holding us back from living as if you have entrusted us with the greatest good news ever. Lord, hear us as we confess the things we have put above, sharing the good news. Father, forgive us as individuals and forgive us as a church when we have failed to reach out in the way you have called us to do. Lord, and help us to rest in the knowledge that you do forgive us. But Lord, break our hearts for the lost and fill us with such an enormous love for your son that we can't help but want to share that good news by the way that we live our lives and the words that we speak into the lives of those around us. Lord, help us to be better inviters. Help us to be better at investing in people's lives. Give us the patience and the willingness to set down the busyness of our life for those conversations that truly matter for eternity. And help us to understand the gospel well enough So when it is time, we may explain the reason for our hope. And then we just ask for your spirit to do the work of convincing. Oh God, we lift up the community around us. And we just ask that you would would open hearts and minds to be receptive to the good news of Jesus Christ. And that you would help us to be faithful as a people in demonstrating that good news by the way we live our lives, by the way we care for and love our neighbors, and by the way we gently and respectfully explain this hope that you have given us. Lord, help us to be this lighthouse that you have called us to be. We ask these things in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.